So those of you who are physically able, I invite you to kneel with me as we pray. Father in heaven, Lord, you have spoken in your word about growing from the milk to the meat. And we know that it means going deeper in our understandings of who you are and what you're all about. We're praying for that experience. We ask that we would grow spiritually. We pray that our understanding of you will increase. We pray that our love for you will increase. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you will give us discernment and understanding in spiritual matters. We pray that our sense of your presence would increase and our desire to be with you would just be powerful. We pray our first waking thought in the morning would be to turn to you. Our last thought in the evening would be to turn to you and our thoughts in between would be in the same direction. Lord, we pray that for our children too and we pray that for our family members, our friends and those that we are praying for. And Lord, now as we're about to open your word, I pray that we will be changed, that you will, through your Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us, and that we will be experiencing growth. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We have been working through a series called Moving Forward Together. This is our ninth sermon in it. We began by looking at the theology of together. And we learned that in heaven, being together is foundational. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost have always been together. From an infinite time period before now and an infinite time period after now, they will or have been together. God created angels. He didn't create an angel. Angels were together. God created the world and a man was alone just for a few hours and God created a woman for man. They were together. Together is very, very much a part of God's system. And we looked at being together with God. What does that mean? And we understood that uh, at the core of that is worship. And worship in the Greek word proskuneo means to kiss God, to kiss Him. So worship is a very emotional, close experience with God. And then we looked at what it meant to be together, together. And that's where we're at now in our series. What, what about the church? We're here so we can be together. That's what this is all about. And we've been looking at different aspects of the church, everything from how they fought through fear and difficulty, how they prayed together and God answered prayers. And uh, we looked at that last week and I gave you some evidences from things people had just written recently. Today, we're going to move into another area. I want you to think about this statement that I've written. God sends people into our lives to encourage us to do things we otherwise would not do. 
God sends people into our lives to encourage us to do things we otherwise would not do. This afternoon is supposed to be pretty. And if you go out to the parks around here and some of the schoolyards, the playgrounds, there will be children out there with their parents or brothers and sisters, other family members, aunts, uncles, grandparents, somebody will be there with those children. And you're going to see this with the younger ones. There'll be a little child up on the top of the slide. There'll be an adult down at the bottom. And the bottom, the bottom, the adult is saying, you can do it. Come on. I'll catch you. It'll be all right. And with words of encouragement, eventually the child is either shoved from another one from behind or they let go and they come down the slide and they're caught, they experience a joy and they realize it's okay and they will go and eventually they're doing it themselves. And this is a process that is multiplied a hundred times over in a child's life. You can think of it in terms of when they learn how to ride a bicycle, or if you're in a swimming pool and they're on the edge, come on, jump to me, jump to me, and they, they're caught, and, and it brings a joy. They are encouraged. They're given encouragement, and encouragement means to urge forward, to persuade, to instill hope and courage. And then those children do things they otherwise would not do. And once they've done them, they realize this brings me joy. This brings me a pleasure I had not known before. Well, that's true spiritually. And let's study that today. Let's go to Acts chapter 18. If you are not familiar with the Bible, if you go to the New Testament, you'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John, then you'll come to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is simply the Acts of the Apostles. It is their action as they were filled with the Holy Spirit and went out and began preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. It's filled with wonderful stories, and from it, we're looking at some of the experiences of the early church. Acts chapter 18, verses 24 through 28. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. So there's the introduction of a gentleman named Apollos. He's born at Alexandria, which is a city in North Africa. He's an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures. And so that means in the day when this was written, he really knew the Old Testament back and forth, in and out. He was very knowledgeable. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he's eloquent, he's very understanding in things, he explains stuff in a wonderful way, but yet he does not have a full knowledge or understanding of what Jesus is all about and what being baptized in the name of Jesus is all about and what it's like to have that take place. So he's speaking in a synagogue 
And uh, we'll see that in verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Well, just so everybody's up to speed on what that means, that is the name for the church back then. It was the church for Jews who were serving God according to their understanding of how to do that. These are not Christians. These are Jews. However, there were Christian Jews who attended there with the understanding that they were going to try to find people they could talk to and help them come to Christ. Well, <clears throat> Aquila and Priscilla, husband and wife team, were there. They heard Apollos speak. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now, this is a beautiful demonstration of encouragement. Instead of railing against the guy because of the knowledge he didn't have, they pulled him aside and gave him that information, encouraged him in more information that will help him in his understanding of how things all come together. It goes on in verse 27, and when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. One more verse. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. So what happened here? Apollos came to church. He's eloquent. He's teaching the Old Testament scriptures in a powerful way. These two individuals, Aquila and Priscilla, see him, pull him aside, give him a better understanding of what has happened with Jesus and what it's all about. This guy becomes a champion for God, and he is going to travel to a distant city. Well, the people there will not know who he is, so the church members here at Ephesus, write a letter for him to carry so that when he gets there, it will introduce him as somebody who is safe, somebody they can listen to. Now, how encouraging would that be to be carrying a letter saying you're okay? You know, what's happened here is a beautiful experience called encouragement. And the church prospered greatly because of it. But I know what it's like and how important it is to be careful. Let me explain what I mean. You probably have no idea how many requests I get for this pulpit. I say no a lot because, for one, I'm cynical. Two, it's my pulpit, and I'm going to get a bumper sticker. It's going to say, you can have my pulpit when you pry my dead hands off it. <laughs> so I don't like to give it up. I want to be the one teaching. Well, a couple years ago, a gentleman and his wife spoke to me. They said, Jerry, we've got some friends from Texas where we used to attend church couple guys, they're good guys, and they have a seminar called The Names of God. And uh, what do you think about them coming and making a presentation at the church? 
my initial response was, well, can't people just look up the names of God in the Bible? Why do we have to have somebody come from Texas to tell us the names of God? And then, of course, I'm skeptical because I don't know who they are. However, I do know who the people are that are asking me for them to come. And this couple here in the church are very balanced, good Christians, extremely credible, people I know well. We've been through ups and downs together. So I'm torn, you know, because I know them. I don't know these other fellas. So I decided we're going to compromise. Here's what we'll do. I'll let them have a seminar on Friday night, and then they can have a seminar on Saturday afternoon, but the pulpit's mine. That's why I'll protect you. Friday night, there was a big crowd came out. I heard about it the next morning. People loved it. Saturday afternoon, there was a bigger crowd. I heard about that. People loved it. So about a year later, we invited them to come back, and we gave them the pulpit. And they blessed us richly. And you want to know something? Right now, we're negotiating with them for a time when they can come back. We'll be blessed again. But you see, you can understand how encouraging that would have been to the people back then. They don't know who Apollos is, but he comes and this mighty champion for God is invited to share with the people. And he's given the approval of people that they trust. What an encouraging picture. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you're not sure where that is, go to the right of the book of Acts and just keep going till you come to 1 Thessalonians. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. And it's called 1 Thessalonians because it's followed by another letter which is called 2 Thessalonians. In this letter, we're going to start kind of a mid-thought here, and it, we, we have to get in on Paul somewhere. He, he's famous for writing long sentences. So verse 10 is where we're going to get in. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 10, you are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted. Exhorted means encouraged. As you know how we encouraged and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. Charged means implored. So here Paul is writing back to the people that he brought to Christ. The church he and his followers or his companions had started. He's writing a letter back to them. And he's saying, you know, we were like a father encouraging a child when it came to you. So you can picture the slide. It'll be okay. Come on. And when you experience it, you'll have a joy you've never had before. Or it could be the picture of a, of a father with children a little older. And the father encouraging the proper way to walk and how to uh, conduct themselves in life. Or it could be the picture of a father which is the magical time and that's when the kids are old enough to say, hey dad, what would you do? Those are the best years. Those are good times. Hey dad, what would you do? So 
Paul has a very tender association with the people in Thessalonica. And he's reminding them of how hard and how often they sought to encourage him. Well, let's see what happens. Verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. This is an important principle. <clears throat> they heard the words of a man when Paul taught them, but they realized it was the words of God. It was the thoughts of God that was being spoken by a man. Now, here's what I want you to carry away from that, and that is this. Truth is self-evident. Truth carries its own weight of evidence. Truth is empowered by God himself because God is truth. Truth does not have to be argued. Truth does not have to be spoken loudly in a uh, derogatory way. When you are in a discussion with somebody and you are teaching something that is true or you are sharing something that is true and you get pushback, you do not have to raise your voice if you're teaching what is true. You do not have to argue. You do not have to deride them. You don't have to mock them or show how just totally dumb their position is. You don't have to do any of that. What you do is calmly, in the power of God, share what is true, then you back off. And when you back off, that will give them an opportunity to think about it. Because they have not heard God speak to them, they saw another human being who they might be kind of agitated with right now. So you just back off and let that truth permeate in their soul and God will be speaking to them. And when they realize that's from the Lord, then the life changes. It's not the force of argument that changes anyone's life. It is the power of God that changes somebody's life. So think about that in the context of marriage. There is no discussion any of us need to have with our spouse that is high volume. Unless simply somebody's hard of hearing. Or you're one's in one end of the house and one's in the other end. That's not a good way to argue come together and talk. Truth will carry its own weight. But you've got to back up and let somebody embrace it on their own. And please avoid, I told you so. It's not a good, good thing to uh, win somebody. Let's go on. For you, brethren... Verse 14, became imitators of the church of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen just as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they do not please God and are contrary to all men, it goes on, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Paul is saying this, look, you guys have been under it. 
You're being attacked by your own brethren, by, by your own countrymen. Just as Christians in Jerusalem were attacked by the Jews, and just as they were convinced that this message shouldn't go to the Gentiles, no connection between Jews and Gentiles. Just as all that had happened to them, it is happening to you. We're aware of it. We understand it. And he's expressing concern because of it. We read on. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. He is saying, when we heard what was happening to you, we wanted to come to you. We couldn't get there. We weren't there physically, but we were there in spirit. We were there in heart. We were praying for you. We were pulling for you. We were encouraging you, even from a distance. Therefore, verse 18, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. Satan hindered them. This is a battle. And Paul knew that his young believers were in the throes of persecution. You see, it used to cost a lot to be a believer in Jesus Christ. It used to be life-threatening. And so he's concerned for them. But what keeps him going? What is his motivation? Look at it. It's verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? He is saying what gives us hope, what, what keeps us going, what keeps us moving forward is the picture of you meeting Jesus in peace when he comes in the clouds. What a powerful picture. Think of the people in your life. Think of your children. Think of your family. Think of your work associates. Think of all those people. Every one of them. Imagine them reaching up to embrace the Lord when he comes for them. I'll tell you, it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And that's what keeps us moving forward. That's what kept Paul moving forward. For you are our glory and joy. Now watch what happens. Therefore, verse 1, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Paul couldn't go. His other companions couldn't go. But they sent Timothy. They sent somebody to be with them, to check on them, so that they could encourage them in the Lord. And it goes on that no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Folks, encouraging other people is an activity of God. Every one of you sitting here today needs encouragement. Every one of us. It's part of the human experience. And if you get around somebody who is an encourager, you will feel like you're breathing the air of heaven. You will feel like you have a reason to keep going. You will feel like maybe you are somebody of value and worth. 
I'm not talking about a slick salesman who's trying to sell you a car and they're buttering you up. I'm talking about a sincere encourager. Somebody who finds a way to share with you that it's okay. You can get up. You can keep moving. And you can go on forward and still find a joy that you never expected in your life. You see, the sad history of the church is that when people have fallen into sin, many times the church is there to put their foot on the person's neck. See? Everything that's happening to you is because you're a sinner. If you had listened to us, you wouldn't have done this. So how can we feel sorry for you when you just did this, you brought it on yourself. There you are. That's not the picture God wants. The picture God wants is this. Let me help you up. God is as merciful as he is long in life. How merciful is God? Infinity. God's mercy. God will forgive you. He will not forsake you. Neither will we. And you can move forward. And this thing can even become a blessing in your life as you turn it into a ministry to help other people. That's encouragement. There's another way the church has failed. You've been around people and you've seen it where maybe it starts with a health issue and then they can't go to work anymore and then, then it just starts collapsing. Everything in their life seems to be going wrong. Just boom, 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 boom. And the tendency of the church over time has been to sit back, tiss, tiss, tiss. I wonder what sin is in their life that's causing this. No, we need to get in there and encourage people. We need to help them. We need to strengthen them with the resources to keep moving and to keep going forward. God has not forsaken them. Life is hard. These folks experienced persecution. It didn't mean God didn't love them, but Paul knew they needed somebody to come. Timothy came, and Timothy encouraged them to be strong in the Lord. We all need that in our lives. And then, here's the beautiful thing. In verse 5, it says, For this reason I could no longer endure it. I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Timothy went. Timothy encouraged, and when Timothy came back, he encouraged Paul and his companions. That is the circle of encouragement. That makes the complete experience that God wants us to have because every person we encourage will then also encourage us just as we watch them find victory, as we find, see them find hope. And God is looking for men and women 
and boys and girls who will sincerely encourage other people in their lives. Let me ask you a question. What would it be like to walk into a church and everyone there had a purpose of being nice and being encouraging to the people they're around. I read a description of what it would be like. There would be fist fights in the parking lot so people could get in here <laughs> to feel the encouragement. That's what God wants. He wants everyone here to be encouraged and he wants everyone here to be an encourager. Now, God sends people into our lives to encourage us to do things we otherwise wouldn't do. Have you thanked that person? Now, here's where it gets a bit sticky, especially if you're married. Because usually the person God has sent into our life is our spouse. You know, I don't know what it is about it, but whenever my wife is helping me to be a better person, I find it very unpleasant. <laughs> and I'm really not interested in thanking her. Yet over time, when I realize it was God speaking and not her, I get it. What I'm trying to do in my life is to be gracious enough to thank her for helping me to do things or to be something I otherwise wouldn't do or be. Can you imagine how happier our homes would be if we'd just quit fighting it and rejoiced in it and encouraged one another in the way of the Lord? So, the last question I have for you is this. Have we been an encourager to someone else? Is it possible that this very day, God will use you to encourage another human being? In fact, I know it to be true. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take just a minute. I'm going to ask you to turn to somebody near you, and I want you to say this. I'm so glad you came to church today. I hope you have been encouraged in the Lord. All right, that's enough. <laughs> feels good, doesn't it? I mean, it feels good. Pastor Tom. You're trying to encourage people in the Lord. What, what's going on? 
Well, most of you know that we have our So Weekend, which is our service outreach weekend. Two weeks from today, we start on that, on the 29th and 30th, and uh, we're excited. Uh, As I met with folks in the lobby today after both services, the first two services, um, we have our clipboards out there, and I've encouraged people to go after church, find a project that they feel comfortable working with. Uh, This one in particular is uh, yard work and lighthouse work. And most of these are older folks who are so eager for us to come and help them because they can't do things on their own. And we're working with the Samaritan Center with a lot of their clients that they already assist. So these people are are truly in need of assistance. So we have our clipboards. We have 16 projects. Uh, They're all numbered. You can see the numbers up in the upper left corner. And what we're wanting you to do to be involved together, I've already seen a few of the lists out there that have maybe four to six people already signed up. And I don't even know if they know each other. That's the fun thing about this, because if you qualify to do these type of tasks that are on here, you might find yourself getting to know other people. Oh, heaven forbid. But if we did, it'd be just a fun time for us to to get together socially and do something for someone else. One lady was standing out there and she was looking over the clipboard. She goes, I don't know which one to choose. These are all great. I don't know which one. Which one should I write on? And she was excited. She says, this is, the, this is the best thing I've ever seen as far as getting involved and doing something for someone. And that's what we want this to be for you folks. We want it to be something to get out of ourselves and to be giving to others and doing it together as a church, moving forward together. So there are the clipboards out there that will give you uh, the projects. We want you to sign up. And, and if you sign up for this one, if you were to take this one, you would take the top copy. This is the address, phone number, contact information. But we would like for you to tell us what tools you'll bring, if you'd be willing to take some video or take some pictures, uh, and a phone number so we can get in touch with you. And if you're highly qualified, I had one man I need to find him. He may run from me now, but I know he's here somewhere. He owns a yard service. He, that's what he does. And he says, I could probably knock out half of these things this week with my crew. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I'll give you my number. But anyway, we are excited about opportunity to serve and he, people are excited about it. So we also have the sign up table, uh, tablets out there, clipboards for folks that want to go with their children uh, to the nursing home programs on Sabbath afternoon, the assisted living areas. Uh, Pastor Alex has those clipboards on there as well. But this one would encourage you to go on Sabbath afternoon to get to meet the people so they know who you are. They're older folks. Uh, it's nice for them to know who's coming to their home. Pray with them, sing with them, uh, give them some encouragement, but at the same time kind of look at the project that they have to see how big it would be and what tools you might need, and then be prepared to go back Sunday to complete that. But it's just a great opportunity, and if we all do it together, man, can you imagine this church? What do you think? I, I want you to think for a moment. Here's a widow. She's an older woman. She has no family in the area, no one she knows to turn to. Her back door is broken. She doesn't know how to fix it. She has no idea what to do. Now, a group of people come together, spend an hour or two doing that, maybe some light yard work around, talking to her, they pray with her. What is that woman's life going to be like? She is going to feel more encouragement and more hope in a few hours than she has for months, maybe even years. And what is going to happen to those four or five people that are working there? 
they're going to walk away feeling like, man, oh man, oh man, that's so exciting. I can't wait till we do it again in June or whenever. 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 That's right. So that's your circle of encouragement. Please go out there, check out the clipboards, see what you are able to do, sign up for it. It will be life-changing to you and especially life-changing to these recipients. Amen. All right.